So it's not just total freedom on the machine's part, you're kind of giving it uh, stipulations to work within. And that like really gets my brain buzzing. That's Matt Norton. My sweet husband sat down with me again for a quarantine special to explain modular synthesizers to me. We want to demystify modular synths to inspire our friends out there to use this time at home to get creative. We also want to look at the positive sides of being in quarantine because it's incredibly overwhelming otherwise. We hope you guys are staying healthy and safe or resting if you need to recover from being sick. We love you. I'm Angelica Norton. Stay tuned for my monthly chat. Thanks for joining me on Chatty Crafties, a show where I celebrate my creative friends to get inspired by everyday art. I have my husband on this episode, Matt Norton, um, also known as Berman Swale, who does the intro and outro music. Known by tens of people. Um, we are quarantined. This is the era of COVID, and this is my first episode to record during the quarantine because we have been trying to wrap our minds around what to do with our company because we have a landscape design build firm and there is a work safe order in place and so I just have not had the wherewithal to do anything with the podcast for a minute but we are like deep in I don't know day 22 or something like that of of the best month of my life yeah <laughs> because in some ways it's really great because we get to sleep late mm -hmm. the kids are here mm -hmm. which is good and exhausting um we are able to work from home because we're back in our home office mm -hmm. and we're getting to really dig into some creative things and that's what I wanted to talk about today was you have been spending time during the quarantine um, working on songs. Yeah, I think what I'd like to talk about is just something to inspire others to look into synthesizers. And if you have an iPad, there is a lot of free synthesizer apps on there, very cheap synthesizer apps. Um, and I think what's amazing about it is you can literally sit there. You don't have to know anything about music and they're just fun. Right. Um, you can start pressing and turning things and noises happen pretty easily. Yeah. And what's crazy is you'll hear a noise and it'll remind you of some noise you heard in a cartoon or some noise you heard in a Star Wars movie or so it, it, it'll literally like bring a smile to your face as you're exploring and it's something our almost 10 year old likes to mess around with and make some songs yeah what apps uh do you like what i think a good one right now that is just free through the rest of the month is um 
the Moog, the Moog, Moog music, uh, the Mini Moog, which is like the most famous synthesizer of all time. Yeah. Um, and it's very simple and approachable, I think. And uh, it sounds great and it's fun. And then if you want to customize a little bit more instead of the standardized sounds, you can get into modular synthesizers, which is what you do. You you buy and sell modules to kind of try them out, have them for a couple of years or just a month. I've seen you swap out modules pretty quickly. You make such really pretty soundscapes that um and i think a lot of people want to play it they just don't know how yeah what i'm interested in right now would be uh synthesis modular synthesis is a type of synthesis that's more flexible and sampling which is collecting sounds and using them in a musical way uh, a traditional synthesizer is basically what you would see with a keyboard and knobs. Yeah. And it looks like, more like a piano. Um, and it has a um, pathway that the sound is generated and then follows. Um, Which is the cables? Well, yeah. So basically, in a non-modular synthesizer... You might have like sound source, then sculpting type tools to sculpt the sound, mm -hmm. and then maybe a volume tool as well to shape the volume of a sound. Um, and in non-modular synthesizers, they're basically they're fixed. They just there's a certain order that the signal flows. And on modular synthesizers. Um, you basically kind of choose the order uh, in a way that you want. I think what's most attractive for me about it is I've been buying and selling and using synthesizers for almost 20 years. Um, and a lot of synthesizers are laid out in a pretty standardized fashion. Um, that, again, the way that kind of sound is created and then sculpted is in a lot of ways standardized so a lot of people can get the same sound is that the downside of that i think if you um i think everyone struggles when they're making music or approaching an instrument that they've played a long time i think you always struggle to try to find like a new way to approach your instrument mm -hmm. and when i found this kind of area of synthesis um, is really exciting because it's basically like a way to generate and manipulate and sculpt sounds in a way that I didn't even know existed. Um, so it was really exciting. Probably helped to start the episode by explaining what a synthesizer is. Okay. Um, so way back, like, you know, somewhere between the 50s and 70s. I don't know. So probably 60s. <laughs> um, so people wanted to, instead of hiring a, a, an orchestra, they had an idea for a flute line. And, you know, there's a few different ways to do it. Um, but the synthesizer emerged basically trying to replicate 
natural sounds that already existed. Mm -hmm. And so people were trying to make flutes. They were trying to make oboes, like a lot of kind of woodwind instruments, stringed instruments. Um, and, And in the beginning, it was kind of this idea that you could have one instrument that could almost be like an orchestra um, that could be inside of, you know, your home living room or something. And that's a lot different than what basically evolved over time. And it's the standard now. Now, basically, if you want to have a string section, um, it's sampled. And so literally someone has gone with a recording device and sampled every single note of an instrument. Um, and now they're really complex where they actually sample notes, not only every single note, but at different volumes and basically your keyboard is responsive as if you're playing the instrument. So they, it's just gotten really detailed and really very realistic. Mm-hmm. But back when they were starting, they didn't have the ability to record instruments. There was one instrument called a Mellotron that basically did that. It recorded instruments to tape and they were really cost prohibitive because it was they're really big and you had to change out the instruments with, you would basically load cassette cartridges um, and it was just really cumbersome. Mm-hmm. So I think the synthesizer kind of won out as a smaller, easier thing to use. And then what it became over time was just a tool in its own right. Um, Pretty much all the boops and blips and things like that in science fiction shows from the 70s, -hmm. um, a lot of cartoon sounds are synthesizers. Hmm. Um, And I think what's awesome about them is I, I really, in a lot of ways, don't consider myself a musician. I think I understand technology mm-hmm. and I think I have good taste I think I do and, too. and so I in a lot of ways I just mess around with things until they sound my Pleasing. taste says like yeah. oh that sounds pretty nice mm-hmm. um but you know I never I wasn't trained in music in the same way we got trained in design right um and I think that's one beautiful thing about um, synthesizers and then really what's called sound design, which is just kind of the creative act of making interesting sounds. But, you know, like um, TIE Fighters and Star Wars, that's like sound design. You know, movies use tons of sound design. And so what's really nice about synthesis in general is that it's just like architecture. It's an overlap between art and technology which is probably like what interests me about it um and so now fast forward uh and there was really a couple synthesizers that were very famous um the moog like mini moog super probably the most famous synthesizer of all time um arp odyssey was at the time kind of one of the closest Rivals. Um, Which of these have we had? Uh, we've had both. Okay. Yeah. And really, the Mini Moog, in a lot of ways, laid out the way that sound flows in a synthesizer. Um, and 
what the mini moog was was at the time there wasn't a synthesizer that was meant for home use and so they were all modular synthesizers what then. were they used for if not for home use? sound design radio um like maybe be... some very expensive studios yeah i was going to say in a recording studio maybe. yeah okay and so what it's you know synthesis started out modular and then the minimo basically laid out a kind of series a path of how the audio would be created and sculpted and in a lot of ways every synthesizer since then has built upon that pretty similar architecture yeah describe what you've got going on back there um well i think what's interesting about modules is that they're very flexible a lot of them can perform multiple functions and i think you've heard me talk about like in the kitchen i don't want unitaskers yes um in designs and houses i like love things that are like infinitely flexible to me that's like a good sign of design right instead of like an egg slicer where that's the only thing <laughs> that it does and it takes up room in a drawer. Yeah. A tool that could... Like a garlic peeler. Yeah. Uh, you know, things like that. I just... Um, not, I'm not way. against them. You don't like For them, others, though. I won't... Yeah. I don't want them in my house. Right. And that's what I think I like about modular sense is they often can be sound sources or um, trigger sources, which basically tell events to happen hmm. let's break down the building blocks of a synthesizer okay um so what you have is a sound source then you have a filter which is like when you're in your car and you want to turn up the bass or turn down the highs um i think all of us have played with that like even when i was a kid i remember doing that on my parents stereo um, that's what a filter does. It, it adjusts frequency content. Um, so, you know, you can make everything go away, but the bass part of a sound and you can make everything go away, but the high part of a sound. Um, so that, uh, that's what a filter does. So you have, you know, the sound source that usually then goes through a filter and gets sculpted. And then that goes through an amplifier. Um, and that amplifier basically sculpts the way that the volume is um, is heard. And so the way if you pluck a string, it has a certain kind of volume signature um, versus if you were to bow a cello. Um, you know, a, a bowed cello would be one long consistent sound and in terms of volume and plucking a string would be like a very quick yeah very quick like snappy sound and then slowly kind of fade out so you have your sound source it gets sculpted with a filter and then the volume is then controlled um, with an amplifier a sine wave has very few harmonics it might not have any uh, sine waves generally are like kind of rounder softer sounding um, less metallic is another way some people put it. Hmm. A triangle wave is closer to a sine wave where it's like warm but has a little bit of like buzziness to it. 
saw waves have even more kind of buzz character to them and then pulse waves can be really like kind of um, crunchy and uh, a lot of close to like metallic tinny type sound and then the last piece to the puzzle is how you control those type modules um, so what we're all familiar with with a sound source is a, a keyboard um, the way it's controlled is you press a note mm-hmm. and it makes the sound source um, go higher or lower um, based on the note that you're pressing um, but also what's happening there is the note is also like a light switch and so when you press it down it's like flicking the light switch on um, it's letting the sound come through okay so kind of two things happening there pitch which is you know the actual notes someone would sing or you know hear and then the actual event turning on and off and so you can make those things happen with a piano by pressing notes mm-hmm. but there's like a lot of other ways to speak or trigger events with a with a synthesizer. Um, another way would be a sequencer. Um, a sequencer is doesn't have a keyboard, um, and it basically tells a note to come on, and it tells that note what pitch it should be. Um, so it's kind of like a robotic keyboard. Are the sounds just programmed into it? Well, see, sound and events should be separate in your mind. The The best way I can imagine is the sound's always on. It's like in, in your house. The electricity's always on. Mm-hmm. And when you flip a light switch, it's not that, like, you're turning the electricity on to the whole house. Mm-hmm. You're just letting it flow to a light. And so the way that synthesizers work is the sound's like always there. As soon as you plug it in, you're just controlling, you're, you're keeping it off most of the time until you press something that says, hey, sound, come on. And that's what I'm referring to as an event. And the reason I'm trying to distinguish it is there's all these amazing modules that will, in very like interesting ways, make events happen hmm. um, without you sitting there pressing down a button. Mm-hmm. And so you had asked me about why I'm interested in modular synthesizers. It really frees you from the same patterns that you find yourself always going through, even to the point where you're not even using a keyboard to tell sounds to come on and like to tell sounds what pitch they should be. You're using other tools to randomize, which is probably more truly random than a human brain. Yeah. Well, and you know, so there's this whole area of music called generative music. And some people think it's cheating because it's like the computer is starting to kind of choose the notes for you. But the way that I imagine it is in a lot of ways, it's like a bandmate where you tell that bandmate, hey, I kind of have, I have this idea, I'm playing these notes, and I think these other notes would go well with it. 
So why don't you just like take that idea and, mm-hmm. and see what you come up with? And so what's, you know, I, I actually think it's almost a way to collaborate with the machine. Mm-hmm. And you're still confining the machine in terms of the decisions it's making. Um, you're, you're constraining it to hopefully only make decisions that sound good with the music you're making. So it's not just total freedom on the machine's part. You're kind of giving it uh, stipulations to work within. And that like really gets my brain buzzing because I'll lie in bed and I'll be like, oh man, tomorrow I realize I could try this idea out. And a lot of times nothing comes from it or it's not nearly as cool as you think, but you pick up a little nugget of like, wisdom from it a little nugget of like oh i i'm gonna try that idea again i'm i'm gonna put that in my little bag of tricks and who knows right now it didn't really work out for what i'm working on but it's there and it's just kind of sitting in the back of your head i'll try it again later Hmm. um and i think it's that interest of like having a craft and kind of whittling away at it um and growing my understanding of it Mm -hmm. um that really that's like an aspect of a creative outlet for me that i get pretty like excited about yeah it's just that never ending like i'm i'm not great at this thing but i'm better than i was 20 years ago for sure Uh, and if like what if where if i took a snapshot of where i'm at right now and showed it to myself when i began right i would be like you know, blown away. But I think human nature is you always want to be better, you know, kind of your, your goals are always moving just out of reach. Each each step you take, the goal takes a step away too. Why do you, is that why you think that you aren't great at this? Mm, I think really what I'm struggling with right now, and it's been like years is I just feel like I can't finish songs. And honestly, they're probably finished. And something about me is like, that's not perfect yet. Mm. Um, you know, and then and then I listen to something for literally, I'll work on something like three months. Yeah. Like three days a week. And I think at some point I'm just tired of hearing it. It just sounds like boring. Hmm. And I start changing it and then it just like. It becomes a different song. Yeah. And it's just this endless cycle. Um, but I think that same, like, lack of self-esteem is what drives me to, like, keep learning and keep obsessing and keep... And switching out your modules. Trying to get better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is... So, I am a recovering alcoholic, and I have an obsessive... Um, personality and you know that's a great thing for some things and that is like art and creativity yeah Yeah, well I mean like I'll get obsessed with stuff yeah and um, I think you know buying and selling gear is like a pretty this is your healthy outlet and I would say healthy because you're getting it roughly for the same amount that you're paying 
for it. Well, and how many, like 20 years of birthdays and Christmases have been like, I don't want clothes or I want this module. I literally am not able to surprise you with anything because you're like, here's the link to the exact thing with knobs that I want. And I don't even know what I'm buying you half the time. You know, it's if you're if they're your tools and the tool isn't working quite like you want it to and you can swap it out for a different tool you know essentially for not spending money cuz things are coming in and out yeah you're not just collecting that's not your yeah. jam actually and i reach some point in the studio where if it's like too full of stuff like i i have to i like sell it so i don't know if you've noticed but the studio will kind of balloon up and then there was that period where I had like the Moog and I had the Odyssey and that, and it just, it was so much, uh, that I just reach a point where I'm just kind of like, ugh, this just needs to shrink down mm-hmm. into something like very tight and usable. I think the other thing too, is again, I, if I'll realize like something I have can be done by this other thing I have. And as soon as that happens, I'm like, gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't have, you know, it's a waste of space and money. To do the same thing with two different tools. To provide the same, yeah. And I think the other thing that's been, like, really interesting for me and probably won't be interesting at all to anyone else, <laughs> now that I'm explaining it, is um, when I first started buying, like, modular synthesis is, like, a total um, world of its own full of, you know, people that, you know, kind of wear on their sleeve that it's an obsession and a rabbit hole. And and when I first started getting into it, the stuff I was buying was just like what was kind of like being hyped, like basically what everybody else was buying. Like, this is awesome to get. Everyone should get this. It's the easiest stuff on the surface to find. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like getting the most like, you know, uh, reviews and things like that. And I think in the beginning, I was just buying those things because I really didn't even know like what I wanted out of it. Where to start. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think over time, now I'm starting to understand like, okay, this is what my OP1 does, which mm-hmm. is a synthesizer. And this is what and that's modular t- synthesis. Teenage engineering, right? Yeah. It's your little... Your little friend you take with you on trips and... Yeah. And probably one of the... So one of the synthesizers I have is called a Teenage Engineering OP1. And I've had it probably eight or nine years. And who loves it? Griffin? On yeah. your show? Yeah, I'm okay. wonderful. Yeah. And again, it's like um, there's a cult following with it. And I think out of so many things have come and go... Um, in my studio and I think right now it and my great uncle's bass are like the two things that are still here and I think the thing that was most exciting about it that is the way that it approached like making sounds and making music was totally different than anything I'd ever touched before Mm -hmm. and I think that's the same kind of um, area that you know like modular is fulfilling is it's just like, whoa, these people, the creators of this device are approaching 
making music in a way I like had never even thought of. Do the visuals in the OP one add to the experience or is it just a fun little bonus? No, they're fun. I mean, um, well, so the yeah, screen, so I said no. And <laughs> <laughs> the screen has, depending on like what setting you've got, there's some fun, almost like a video game looking yeah, image. Yeah. Really um, not pixelated, but it's, it's not a developed image. It's just kind of. It's like a cartoon. Get the gist of what yeah. they're trying to do. Like a, something that would be on a Game Boy or something. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean it. It makes it fun to play, mm-hmm. and I think so much of like music instruments is kind of one area where the people really take themselves seriously. Yes. And I think there's these devices that want to be kind of the polished, like beautiful, like professional tool. Right. And I think what's really fun about the OP-1 is so many people dismiss it as a kid's toy because of the way that it looks and because of the interface. But, you know, it's like one of the most powerful tools I have in the studio. Yeah. Well, speaking of fun, a lot of your modules, when you are taking them apart and assembling them in your, what would you call this? You're like collection yeah just a case in your case um there are little easter eggs like little fun surprises that people put in there that who build it yeah so uh, you know what's different about modular synthesizer modules is they don't really come in a housing they have a faceplate, and then you can see all the circuit board behind it um and you then plug them into a case. Um, and the case is kind of the thing that closes up all the electronic bits and, and pieces. The, and you screw them in through the faceplate, yeah. and in the case you have all of the modules lined yeah. up. And so it's a very like... Customizable. It is, but it's awesome. Like you said, um, you'll look at the back of the circuit board and there's little notes and little drawings and and they're like printed on the circuit board. Um you know, it's just like a very, uh, a little bit whimsical yeah. and just like a playful, uh, I guess, corner of the music industry. And then what's also amazing is when I have an issue with something and I write, it's usually like the creator of the module that writes back. Um, and so it's such like a small boutique little community that it just feels like a very small world, even though yeah. these are made um, all across the planet. Yeah. In in your group on Facebook, Sobriety and Synthesizers, do they talk about this type of thing a lot, or is it like specifically like See, moogs and... Modular synth people are like the beer snobs of mm. like the electronic community, um, where it's just like... And there, it's funny, there's people that like declare they're done with modular and like Why? sell them off they're just done with it like too tedious too oh it's like a love affair that was you know like hot and steamy and now it's just like tedious and over is the way that it's you know is approached and so yeah uh, on on that group which is amazing it's a yeah. it's a facebook group that um it's called sobriety and synthesizers they're very supportive and it is just about 
um, people who have chosen a life of sobriety that also love synthesizers. Because they got a lot of energy to spend <laughs> after that. Yeah, and extra cash, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I would say, like, maybe 25%, 15 25% of the people in the group are, like, it's kind of comprised of, like, the iOS people, like, iPad-based or computer-based um, electronic music. Uh-huh. Um, then, you know, just the hardware people, which is like a real, real-life piano, real-life keyboard. Oh, okay. And then uh, the modular people. And they just definitely think highly of themselves, it seems <laughs> like. That That's probably true to life for design, though, because a lot of architects and designers we we tend to think highly of ourselves yeah i think it's that like quest to find that like obscure Uh thing you know and just some people are like you know the moment they hear something's hard to find or hard to grasp like when i hear about something that's like a piece of equipment that's hard to understand Mm -hmm. i'm like oh that's the one I need, I need that. I need that. <laughs> That's the holy grail. To, you know, I like like that challenge, the idea mm-hmm. of that challenge that I need to like I have like one of my one sampler I have is like a 130 page manual. <laughs> well, I, it's like And unlocking... I sold it. Oh. It defeated me. Yeah. And then I bought it again. <laughs> Which one was that? Um it's called a Octatrack. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Well, it's like unlocking a level on a video game. It is. Um, and sometimes you got to go to, like, the cheat yeah. website. I'm, I'm not opposed to, to cheat that. on it. Do you want to break down a song? Are you interested in that? I think I've talked forever about making some kind of educational YouTube videos or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a couple of years ago... I was really interested in um, how to make recordings that sounded like they were sampled from a record. Uh, oh. Like how to make sound sources that sounded, that had that like kind of dusty, like yeah, grimy sounding quality. And um, I think that was really like a pivotal kind of change in my music. And I'm really like trying to chase that down to this day. Do you want to talk about how you do that a lot? Because it has to do with your reel-to-reel. That's, like, definitely a good tool. I think, really, the simplest way to do it is that you just need to, like, record something and then, like, kind of rearrange it and then record it again and rearrange it and record it. And there's something that happens, like, over time. There's a little bit of loss of kind of quality quality each time around yeah Yeah. and so it's a it's a pretty challenging way to write a song because you're never quite sure if what you're making at that moment is going to be the final like product or not Uh you're you're always like one step away from like slicing it up rearranging it and re-recording it and it's kind of like each round of that 
the sound gets more and more interesting. And it really encourages you to never get the song done. Right. Because you can just like keep layering things. Well, and it's a lot like a collage. It's like, yeah, um, yeah. you know, cutting out a collage from a magazine or something. Yeah. Well, it would be like if I were to make a mask, because I'm making masks right now, but I had to um, make the fabric. Yeah. Or what it's really like is a quilt. Yeah, that's true. Um, Because I'm watching you and it's like you're starting with like a series of smaller pieces and you're connecting those. But then sometimes you're cutting that connected piece into like a new shape. Right. You start with actually gigantic pieces, multiple yards. Yeah. Cut those down into small pieces, attach those small pieces together and then those become blocks that you then put in a pattern to make the big piece again. And it's like exactly that. Yeah. Where, And what you get with that quilt at the end is something that's so much more powerful than kind of the original Pre-made. pieces. Yeah. Um, and so it takes time. It takes a lot of um, initial... I, it's so dumb because of work, but I call it administrative work. It's just oh, like... Sure. You know, you're just sitting there, like, doing the bullshit to get to the good stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's the same way with I'll go around and collect sounds. Oh, yeah. And it just takes for freaking ever to, like, sort through which ones you want when you're done and then slice them up. and uh, them too. Yeah, yeah. I have so many. I have years of just moments that I've recorded that I thought would be yeah. used and... I end up only needing like one and a half seconds. Yeah. <laughs> what I do try to use is um, each song I try to have like something. Most of the time when I make songs, they're tied to a trip that we're on. Yeah. And so almost every song that I have, there's a little Easter egg in there for me mm-hmm. of just like an audio s- clip. Um, I'm trying to think like. When we're in Puerto Rico. There's one song that has a little sample from Willy Wonka and at that time Eloise was Willy Wonka on the school play right yeah there's you literally talking on the Puerto Rico trip um Mm -hmm. like I try to kind of leave that also for a little memory for myself of what I was working on at the time when I was making this tune yeah um got it did you get it I got it sorry I'll edit that out now we'll sample it (laughs) (laughs) it's a bug yeah yeah, I have those moments of, it's like dropping an anchor, my therapist yeah. talks about, where it's kind of the reverse when I'm making a quilt and I'm listening to a podcast like Wonderful, and when I hold that block again, I go back to that exact moment in the podcast I'm yeah. listening to, and so it's like woven pieces of fabric but it's soundscapes are woven into it too the experience of making it sure yeah and i think that's one of the reasons i just keep working on music as well is it's like a little um it's like a diary yeah and when i go back and listen it reminds me of that time in my life you know it's even though there isn't any like on the nose moments where, right? You know, I can exactly remember like making that sound that day. Each one does encapsulate 
a certain time in my life. And when I go back and listen to it, there's something so much of my music, I feel like revolves around memory anyways. Um, and like tapping into kind of this feeling of, God, that's like some dusty memory I have that Mm. is there and I'm not quite sure what it is, but like, I can remember it only by the way this sound is making me feel. You like the dustiness. I do, because I think it's time. Uh-huh. It's like age. Um, it's like experience has been put onto that memory. Yeah, yeah. You've had the memory, like, and then you've learned from it, and then you're like going back and seeing what it means to you now. Just feels more human when there's... When you're using a machine. This imperfection to it. Yeah, because if you're using a machine that can make a perfectly rhythmic and clean sound, there's no human that's needed. Yeah, and that's a, there's a big, you know. Did I just touch on like one of the biggest (laughs) arguments? Yeah, why people don't like electronic music or big struggles, you know, you'll see whole threads on the internet just about how do I make my music, electronic music, like, like more human, less perfect? Um, it's a, it's a challenge. Right. Um, our kids are peeking into the recording studio. Right. This is probably a good spot. So can y'all give us five minutes? Wait, are you recording? We are currently recording. Oh, ouch. Okay. Hello. Do you have a song? That we can use for the intro and outro, the one that you're working on? Uh, sure. I'm not no. quite sure how to take us out, because I'm not going to be asking the final question. You yeah. have your name, your collager. I'd like to reassess. Oh, why don't you like collager? I don't know. Collager just sounds dumb. Oh, my God. So it's like you looking at your songs for yeah. three months. Yeah, it's just a... It's not even a word. Collager? Yeah. I bet you could use it in Scrabble. What about collagier? Oh my god. Since we've already determined your creative identity was the collager, we can't, don't shake your head at that. Um, we don't need to ask that final question. So I'm just going to say thank you, Matt. Thanks, Jelly. <laughs> and thanks to our listeners. I hope you'll stay tuned for more episodes of Chatty Crafties. Go to chattycrafties.com for photos, social media, links, and more. Why don't you go ahead and follow Chatty Crafties and Vermin Swale on Instagram and Facebook? This episode was hosted and produced by me, Angelica Norton. The intro and outro music was by Berman Swale, per usual, but in this episode was a tune called Packing West. He also made the boops and blips used in the episode. Please rate and review Chatty Crafties at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Now, if you're hearing a sound that you want to record, switch over to voice memos and go make some art.